under the sound of my voice today in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. How many people are happy to be saved today? All right. Amen. We are in a series called Living Free, and we have, over the last couple of weeks, if you've missed it, join us online, but we have talked about we are free from the standards of religion, the external standards of religion, the do's and the don'ts, and you're like, well, how is that possible? We're going to get into that. But we're free from all of the standards, the outer religious standards they've done away with when Jesus Christ died on the cross and gave us the Spirit. And we are free from the power of sin in the flesh. And we talked about that last week. The freedom that Christ brings. And we can say, I am crucified with Christ. It is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We live under the power of Jesus Christ, not captive to the things of sin. And so we are going to be changing this series so we are free from sin and free from standards. And now this series is moving into what we're free to do. And we're going to talk about what we're free in the Spirit today. And so this morning we're going to talk about a life with evidence. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you have some evidence? Do you have some evidence in your life that you are a Christian? I don't know about you, but I have often wondered if I'm really saved. Anybody want to be honest with us? You ever wondered sometimes, does God really love me? Am I really saved? Am I going to make it? What if this is all just pretend? What if we're just going through the motions? One of our first steps classes, one of our monthly topics is how do you know if you're a Christian? And that's a very common thing, okay? How do I really know that God approves of me? How do I know uh, if He loves me? If I'm truly saved. So what proof is there in your life that you are a Christian? It's often been said, if we were to put you on trial, would there be enough evidence to convict you of your Christianity? And I could look and say, okay, well, all right, Pastor Heath, what am I supposed to look for? Maybe uh, I stopped drinking. I stopped cussing. All right. I'm going to church. I'm, I'm giving in tithe. I'm given to foreign missions. I serve. I'm a Sunday school teacher. I'm on the worship team. I, I do these things. And you say, well, those are evidence. Isn't that evidence of a Christian? No, it is not. Any sinner can come in and do those things. But the true evidence of a Christian is receiving the promise of God. Now, we're going to go into that this morning. The promise of God. You know, there was this big promise Ezekiel chapter 36 through 37 highlights for us. There's many other places. But there was this promise that one day God would wipe all of our sins away. He would call His people by His name, and they would call unto Him. He'd wipe their sins away. He'd be their God, and uh, they'd be His people. Their sins be washed away. And He says, in you I will put a new heart, and I will put a new spirit. Why and how? He would put, by doing and giving them a new heart and a new spirit, all that would be accomplished, wiping all the sins away would be accomplished because He would put His very own Spirit in us. And it says that by His Spirit being us, we'd have a new heart, a new spirit, sin washed away, and there would be some inner motivation, something inside of us, He says that He would cause us to walk in His statutes and obey His commands that God's Spirit would be some kind of extra force in our life, drawing us to obedience and willingness to follow His Word. And that was the promise, long foretold by the prophets, that God would send His Spirit to His people. 
So how do you know if you're a Christian today? How do you know if God approves of you? How do you know if you're truly saved from sin? It's those people who have the approval of God have received the promise of God. That's what we're talking about today. If you are approved of God, you've received the promise of God. Now let's go into the backgrounds. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Let me give you the background. We're staying in this book for a few weeks because this book is really about this topic. In the book of Galatians, Paul is writing back to a people he has converted. And at this point in the Galatians' walk with Christ, they're new Christians having turned from sin, and they've, they are wondering, am I really saved? Does God really love me? Am I really approved by God? And some religious Judaizers, some Jewish Christians come in and say, well, if you really want to be sure you're saved, if you really want to know that God loves you, you really need to be men circumcised, and you need to follow a few of these feasts, and you need to do all these little works here. You don't have to do all of them, because yes, Christ saves you by grace, but yet you really need to make sure you don't do this and do do this, okay? And so they were imposing legalism, hypocrisy, Paul says, on his church. And so Paul gets kind of angry at these guys because he says, Christ saves you by grace through faith alone. That's it. The blood of Jesus saves you from your sin. Read the rest of the book of Galatians or listen to our podcast online. That's the case for the last two weeks. But what he's saying here, and he's he's kind of challenging the Galatians to ask them to look inside themselves. How do you know you're really saved? How do you know God really loves you? How do you know that you are saved by grace alone? Do you have to do anything else but faith in Christ Jesus? Is there anything else you need to do? Now read with me. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. You foolish Galatians. Ouch. Who has bewitched you? Now he's talking bad on them now. Who's, Who's leading you towards the devil? Okay. He says, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed is crucified. He says, you got it. You believed in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It became very real to the innermost part of your hearts that Jesus Christ died for your sins. He says, but this is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Did the Holy Spirit come into your life when you started obeying the Old Testament religion or the religious rules of these teachers, or did it come into your life when you heard and you believed? And he says, go on. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Meaning, if the Spirit is how you began your life, how is religious rules going to keep you going? Okay? And he says this, Did you suffer many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then... Does he who provides you with the Spirit and the works of miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Paul is asking one simple question for us today. If you aren't sure you've been saved by grace alone, then how do you explain the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life? If you're not just saved by grace alone, how do you understand the working of miracles that have happened among you? And if you weren't saved by God's grace alone, why would God give you the Holy Spirit? If you needed to do extra things beyond the blood of Jesus Christ, if you needed to do extra things to truly be holy, 
Why would he ever give you the Holy Spirit until you were good enough to have it? He says, but it's by grace through faith alone that God calls you approved. Good enough to receive the Holy Spirit in your life. And so the proof of a true Christian, you can write this down, the proof of a true Christian is the promise of a Holy Spirit. The proof of a true Christian is the promise of the Holy Spirit. The only evidence you need in your life is the Holy Spirit. You don't need to know all the do's and the don'ts. It's not about getting rid of tattoos and drinking. It's not, all those are great things. Don't go to the movies. Don't do this. Don't do that. Do, do this. Do, do that. Those are all good things. But the proof of a true Christian is the evidence, the promise of the Holy Spirit in their life. Amen? Are you with me this morning? Only outward sign you need in your life is the outward signs of the Holy Spirit. So what power is there for victorious living in your life? What supernatural manifestations of the Spirit occur in your walk with God? What kind of bold witness? I'm going to tell you today, there is a false gospel sweeping across the nation. And it's been here for generations and millennia. Go back to the time of Paul. We've talked about the false gospel of religion. And that, that standards, that standards are needed to be saved. We've talked about the false gospel of loose living, that you can do anything you want under grace, and that's a false gospel. And today, the false gospel, number three, we're talking about is the powerless gospel. A powerless gospel. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, in the last days that men would be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They'd hold to a form of godliness, although they deny its, what? Power. A powerless gospel would show up in the last days. A powerless gospel. Think of it this way. In, in this context, Paul was writing to Timothy, uh, and he's saying that there's going to be teachers. Not only is there going to be a powerless gospel in the last day, because men are lovers of pleasure and self, and there's this powerless gospel coming, but there's going to be teachers of this powerless gospel, and they're going to sway vulnerable Christians. They're going to have a counterfeit faith. They're going to have sinful minds, he says. And these Christians are going to be targeting are those Christians who aren't seeing true victory over their sin. They're going to be weak-minded Christians, not understanding the grace of God through the blood of Jesus, nor the promise of the Holy Spirit. They're, they're going to be in a religious mindset, a fleshly mindset, and they're going to get swayed away into this powerless gospel. And so he says they're going to keep learning about Scripture, and they're never going to come to a knowledge of the truth of what Jesus Christ has really done for them. They'll just rely on these pastors to tell them everything they need to know. And they'll be powerless to live victoriously over sin. They'll be powerless to have uh, that new life and that confidence in the grace of God. They'll always be worried about their salvation. And some of them will go the opposite. They'll never worry about it again. They'll just think, I've done it and it's over. This powerless gospel. I think about those today that are repeatedly attending church. They're acting religious today, but they've no power to live victoriously over sin. And there's no manifestations of the Spirit in their life. There's no evidence of the Spirit in their life, but they're always going to church, but they never have victory. I think about the preachers today that are building man-made kingdoms. They're using Scripture. They're preaching motivational speeches. They're preaching positive thinking and confession. They focus people on selfly, earthly, selfish and earthly pursuits. All these carnal desires that God will give you this and God will give you that. It's all about your dreams, your visions, your destinies, your wants, your man, your woman, your, your own. God's going to give you everything you ever wanted. It's all about you. 
not a Christ-centered gospel. They use the Bible to do it. It's all over the radio, all over the Internet, all over the popular preaching today. They focus, it's a show, church becomes a show. Everything appeals to the flesh. Everything has to be relevant to the world. And all of these things and all these earthly pursuits and all of these carnal desires, they begin to neglect the Spirit of God. I think about the preachers on the other side of the coin. They're preaching a lifeless religion, outer works to earn salvation. You can buy heaven if you say this many prayers, if you repeat this many things, if you go to the pastor, if you do this, or, or if you've just been baptized this way, or if you just said this prayer and you've raised your hand, then now you're good to go. Just make sure you do these things. All of these religious efforts, but they're still powerless over secret sin, many of them. The Bible says they're trampling on the grace of God, trying to earn their way into heaven. And through all of these, so many are going to approach, I fear, heaven's gates with a false hope of salvation because they're not confident in the grace of, the, of God through Jesus Christ, nor do they know the Holy Spirit in their life. It's powerlessness. 1 John chapter 2, verse 26, we have it on the screen today. Paul, or John says this, in agreement with Paul's message to the Galatians. He says, I'm writing these things to his church to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. Verse 27, but you have received who? The Holy Spirit, and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what He teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as He taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. Look at this. He says, you've got the Holy Spirit in you, so remain in fellowship with Christ. Here's what I've learned in my own life. It is so easy to want a saving a saving power from Jesus Christ. It's so easy to want a saving encounter, a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, but then we neglect the living relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because remaining in fellowship with Christ is the same thing as having Holy Spirit in your life. And we can begin this walk and say, I want a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to come to the altar. I want to be saved. I don't want to go to hell. But that should begin a living relationship with the Holy Spirit. The sad thing is so many people want a saving relationship, but not a living relationship. There is a progress and a difference here. You cannot just have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ without a living relationship with the Holy Spirit in your life. It's not enough just to say a prayer and go and do what you want. It's not enough to just say a prayer and do some good works and change your dress and change this and do this and do a few religious acts and even have a few manifestations of the Holy Spirit and do these things and everybody thinks you're good. But then on the inside, we know I'm still as messed up as I've ever been. I'm still thinking the same thoughts. I've always thought my attitude's still bad. But here it says it's about remaining in fellowship with Christ and the Holy Spirit is continually teaching you how to be just like Him. It's a powerless gospel that neglects a living relationship with the Holy Spirit. These are one and the same. So let's talk about living free in the Spirit today. Paul is saying to the Galatians, Have you not received the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you not receive the Holy Spirit when you heard in faith? 
You know, freedom was never possible under the Old Testament laws. The Bible says in Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 3, that the law is powerless to control the flesh. That all the external religious works we could ever do, while there many of them are good, we can take out things from our life. There are shows we should not watch. There are places we should not go. There are people we should not hang around with at certain points in our life. There are things we should not do externally, religiously. But those things are powerless to change the inner conditions of my nature, of my attitudes, of my personality, of my wants, of my desires. I can do all the things outwardly I could try to do, but inwardly I can still be a wreck. So because the law is powerless, religion is powerless, uh, Romans 8, 3. But through Christ, we get the promise. And that's what it's all about. When Ezekiel was saying through the Spirit that there's coming a day when a Messiah is going to come, He's going to wash the sin. He's going to actually wash the sin out of your life, put you a new heart like God's heart, a new spirit within you, an alive spirit. And then the Holy Spirit is going to come in your life and He's going to move in your life and you're going to want to obey the things of God. You're going to want to please God. There's something new in you that can't be explained. It's something not by power nor by your might, but by his spirit, his church is birthed and achieved and accomplished and moved and directed by not our might, not our works, not our outer efforts, but by his spirit. That is the central message of the gospel. If you do not understand that, you do not understand the gospel. That is the promise that Jesus came to die for. It wasn't just about getting his blood spilt and dying on a cross. It was so he could send you the promise. The promise is what gives you the Spirit of God. Okay, let's move on. So many years later, here we are. God had told Ezekiel this. God had told Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to give you a promise by faith. All these descendants are going to be after you. All these people of faith are going to be your children. And when Jesus comes, He fulfills not only Ezekiel, He fulfills Abraham's promise. And by the Spirit of God now coming into any person, we become a child of Abraham, a child of God. Through the church, the Holy Spirit is now birth. We're here. Okay. Three things I want to tell you today about this living with evidence. Number one is beginning with the new life. It begins when Ezekiel says a new heart and a new spirit comes in you by the Holy Spirit. And so Galatians 3.14, he says, uh, Paul is telling the Galatians, he adds to what he just said. He says, hey, I'm telling you that Christ has redeemed you from the curse in order that in him the blessing of Abraham, the promise of God, might come to the Gentiles so that you could, we could receive the promise of the what? Spirit through faith. It's that simple. He says it's so simple. It sounds like it's too simple. But you're saying, Pastor Heath, if I just believe in faith that Jesus Christ died for me so that I can have the Holy Spirit in my life, I'll receive the Holy Spirit? Yes. That is the central message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Over and over again, we hear the same thing through Scripture. If you read it, you've got to read it. You've got to read it for yourself. The Holy Spirit's got to reveal it to you. But this is the central message of Scripture, that you would receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith, not through works, not through outer efforts, through faith. And he says, what does that mean? That means anybody without any work of religion 
can simply believe by faith that Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose from that, He's coming back to give you, and He's here today to give you the Spirit. And He says, then by the Spirit, through faith, you are a child of God. Somebody say amen. amen. Through the Spirit and through faith. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, Paul tells his other church in Ephesus the same thing. He says, in Him, you, after listening, listening, here you go, hear it again, listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, the good news of salvation, having also believed in your heart, you were sealed in Him, he says, with the Holy Spirit of promise. Notice that term. The promise of the Holy Spirit seals you when you believe in faith. Say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. I'm sorry for what I've done. I believe that who you are, who you say you are. I confess you, Lord of my life. I give up lordship of my life. Please, save me. He says, at that moment, when you believe in this good news, that he died on the cross for your sins, by faith, the Holy Spirit then seals you, comes into your life. And let's go on, because he says a few things. He says, he comes as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. What does that mean? You are sealed, a signet ring, a seal was a promise of authority. It was a seal of acceptance. We think about stamps, a stamp of approval. When you got your marriage license, they had an engravery or the notary came and she stamped it or he stamped it. That means it was done. It's accomplished. Yes, this is a vali- uh, there's validity to this document. So when I was saved, the proof of my salvation is that there was now some evidence of the Holy Spirit in my life. There was something in my life that was new, that was alive, that was awakened to what I no longer see the things I wanted to see anymore. Now there's a desire to follow God's will. There's a new heart and a new spirit in my life. Not only has my sin been washed away, but there's somebody living inside of me. That's good news. Because he could have just saved us and said, okay, keep trying. Keep trying. Oh, you failed. Sorry, it's over. Keep trying. No, there's something new in here. The Bible repeatedly says this. Let me give you some pointers, some, some promises of the Holy Spirit in your life. Jesus says he comes to give the promise of God, the Holy Spirit, when he ascended. In Luke 24, the promise would come. It says, all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God by faith have God's Spirit living within them. 1 John four fifteen. By faith, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. Ephesians 4, 30. The Holy Spirit is God's proof that you belong to Him. 2 Corinthians 1, 22. The Holy Spirit is in our hearts and He's another proof. He is the proof of eternal life that God promises us. The Holy Spirit is like our down payment on heaven. God's paid some down, so you know for sure, hey, this promise is yours. When you bought that house, you put a down payment down. You got to live in it, right? You didn't really own it yet. You hadn't received it all in full yet, but you got to be there. The Holy Spirit is that down payment on eternity. If the Holy Spirit is in your life, you know, hey, heaven is a guarantee. That's something to be shouting about, that I don't have to worry. Am I going to heaven? Does God love me? No, I got a guarantee. I've got a seal of approval. I've got a stamp. This is going to happen. So he says, this is your proof of eternal life. And Romans 8, 23 says, the Holy Spirit, meanwhile, while he sealed you, he's given you a guarantee on heaven. Meanwhile, he's giving you a foretaste of God's glory. You get to experience in the Christian life heaven on earth. That's when he says, let your kingdom come from heaven on earth. That the kingdom of God has come upon you, Jesus repeatedly said in all of his villages. The Holy Spirit was being activated in people's lives. Heaven is in your life. The Holy Spirit is in your heart if you're saved. 
And you're saved because the Holy Spirit is in your heart. New life. So the question is, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Well, I wasn't really baptized this way, or I never really spoke in tongues, or I never really was good at this, and I've done so many wrong things, Pastor Heath, and I never really did all the right things, and you just don't know my background. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Has the Holy Spirit showed up in your heart? Do you got a guarantee, a proof, an evidence, a seal, some experience of God's glory in your life? The gospel of Jesus Christ says that when you believe in faith in what He did for you, you will receive the Holy Spirit. Not after you do some works, not after you do some religious things, but when you believe in faith. That is the central message of the gospel. So did you receive the Holy Spirit? I'm asking you today. If so, you're accepted by God. And you say, well, Pastor, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Did I? I, I, don't, I don't know if I have. The Bible says in John 3 that Jesus said it's like a mystery. It's like the wind. You may not understand it all. I don't understand the Holy Spirit at all. I don't understand how it all works, how He, His Spirit, comes in my heart, makes me a new heart, makes me a new spirit. I don't understand it all. But it says, just like the wind blows, sometimes I can hear it, I can see the effects of it blowing the trees, I can feel it on my skin, but I can't control it. I don't know where it just came from and where it's going. I don't know who it's going to minister to next or where it's coming from. But I can feel the Holy Spirit in my life. I can sense Him in here. I know. I see Him changing me day by day. And that's proof that it's not me by my works or by my power, but it's by the Spirit. That's how God builds His church. That's how you know if you're saved. So number one is new life. But is there evidence... Is there evidence? Because a lot of people could say, well, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. Well, that's between them and God, and he'll judge that, and they'll know for sure one day. But that evidence should also lead to something else. Not only is it, the, it's not just goosebumps. It's not just, you know, the evidence. And, you know, I believe in the evidence of speaking in tongues and the Holy Spirit, and I believe there's prophecy and visions and dreams. There's a lot of evidence, but it's not just the goosebumps evidence. It's not just the, I go to church and I read my Bible evidence. There should be some evidence of victorious living. In our life. So that's number two. Number one is new life. Number two is victorious life. Living free in the new life is more than church attendance and goosebumps. It's because I'm saved by faith. The Bible says we should then live in faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means that the Spirit is living within me now, and He enables me to put on this new nature. He calls me to be crucified and die to my sin with Christ. So by faith, I'm giving my life over to Christ. But the real challenge is this. This is where we begin to grow in our relationship with Jesus. It's because I have a new heart and a new spirit. Every day now, I have a choice. Every day now, I have a choice. Do I obey my flesh? Do I fall into religion? Or do I obey the Holy Spirit? Am I obeying sin? Am I obeying standards? Or am I obeying the Spirit? There is a difference. There is a difference. And this is the struggle. Every day, the maturity of a Christian is, hey, you've been born again. You've got new life by faith through, through Christ. The Spirit has come, given you some evidence. You feel the Spirit in your life. You sense Him. You see Him. You, you hear Him. That's the proof, the promise. But it should move us because you've been saved by faith. You must now live 
by faith. You can't go back and say, okay, now I've been saved. Now I've got to go back and start going to church. Now I've got to go back and be baptized. And now I've got to, now it's all good stuff. Don't get me wrong. Please do those things. But those are not the things that you were saved by. You were saved when the Spirit came into your life. And so every day now, it's not relying on church attendance and tithing and baptism and, and evidences of uh, manifestations of the Spirit and dreams and visions. that We don't rely on those things. But every day, I'm relying on the Spirit. Heath, these thoughts, are they spiritual? Are they sinful? Heath, these thoughts, are they based on standards? Are they based on the Spirit? Heath, your attitude today... Is it by the Spirit's desire and the Spirit's heart? Is He moving you today? Or is it by your heart and your attitudes and your desires? Every day, every moment of every day, victory comes as I lean on, not mine, but the Spirit. And so he's saying, Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. Look at that. Just a few chapters over. Galatians verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 8. He says, For the one who sows to his flesh now, from flesh he'll reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit... From the Spirit will reap eternal life. Paul uses flesh in two ways. Paul uses flesh to talk about the sinful flesh, but he also talks about the flesh in a way that we often use the flesh to do religion. It takes no effort of the Holy Spirit for me to go to church and pay my tithes and do good works and and do certain things in God. Those are good things, but I can do those on my own. I got myself up today. I put my key in the truck and I drove here. And I came here because I'm paid to come here. I can rely on that. And that could make me feel like I'm a Christian. But that's working by the flesh. He's saying the flesh, if you keep sowing to the flesh, if you keep relying on the religion of the flesh, if you keep relying on the sin of the flesh, you're going to just reap from the flesh. But if you're sowing into the Spirit, you'll reap of the Spirit. If you sow into what is the Spirit desiring me to say in this conversation? What is the Spirit wanting me to do in this complicated situation? What is the Spirit calling me to give my life to? What is the Spirit thinking about today? I begin to sow into those things. I begin to reap from those things too. That's the relationship Christ is calling you and I to. It's how am I pursuing a life that is sowing and reaping in the Holy Spirit. It takes no effort for me to tell you the do's and the don'ts. Anybody can follow a checklist of do's and don'ts, but not everyone is listening to the Holy Spirit in their life. That takes a mature Christian who's growing in a relationship with God. When I became friends with Miss Georgia, we did not sit down and sign a contract of what that friendship would look like. She didn't say, well, Pastor Heath, you must call me every Thursday at 7 o'clock because that's how our friendship's going to work. And we must never say these words, and we must always meet at this time at this place. That's religion. That's not a relationship. And some people's Christianity is based on an agreement of terms. They're like, well, this is how God is approving of me. This is what I must do to gain His favor. No, no, no. It's a relationship with the Holy Spirit that leads to victorious living in your life. The Holy Spirit is, it's not religious works or standards, but the Holy Spirit is sufficient enough to keep you righteous before God. Do you believe that today? The Holy Spirit is righteous enough to keep me holy. The Holy Spirit's holy enough to keep me holy. I don't need to help Him and make up a list of things that's going to keep me holy. If I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, He's going to keep me holy in my life. And it doesn't always feel like it. 
doesn't always feel like it. I believe I'm saved, but every time I go in through temptation, I don't always feel like it. I don't always vict- I'm not always walking in victory. And Romans 8 says, but letting, uh, 8 verse 6 says, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. I feel bad when I let the flesh take over. I'm like, man, why'd I do that? God, I did not listen to you when I said that. Or God, I didn't listen to you when I did that. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? Okay, we're all human. Just making sure. I'm not talking about your robots or something here today. We all make mistakes. We all are broken. We all mess up. But he's saying if you let the Spirit control your mind, it leads to life and peace. But he says, guess what? Don't forget this. In the struggle of life, don't forget, you are no longer controlled by your sinful nature. You know, sometimes I have to remind myself that. I feel like sometimes, man, I am powerless to stop doing some things. I can't get over this pride issue or this lust issue. I can't get over this arrogance issue. I can't get over being negative about that circumstance. I can't get over... Sometimes I can't let go of that person that did something to me. Man, you don't know how bad that hurt me. Right? Anybody? Okay, just making sure. And so it says, man, I don't always feel like I'm free of those things. But he says, guess what? You are. You are free of those things. He says, you are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And so what do we do? How do I have victory in my life? Galatians 5, 16, he says, but if you live in the Spirit, he says, walk by the Spirit and you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. In Galatians 5, 25, if you live in the Spirit, let us walk in step with the Spirit. What does that mean? You began your life by faith. You are as holy as you were ever going to get when you came to an altar and you gave willingly your life up to Jesus Christ. He says, you began in faith. You began by the Spirit. That was a spiritual encounter in your life. Now, every day from henceforth out, you must walk with the Spirit. Don't go back to the things of sin of the flesh. Don't go back to the religion of the flesh. Walk in step with the Spirit and you will have victory over sin. It works like this. It works like this. Cole and, uh, come here, you two guys, come here. It works like, come here, John. Stand over here, just follow my lead. Walk fast, I gotta go fast. All right, here we go, stand right here. You stand right here. They have no idea. You can stand right there. Okay, it works like this. Here's my brother, and, very good, thank you. Uh, in his life, he has a couple choices, and I'm going to embody sin just for a moment. Just deal with me, okay? All right, and sin is in his life, and I'm pulling him to do what, he, what I want him to do, and I'm pushing him to go this way. Now, Cole is religion. He's the standard of religion. Sin, standards, and spirit. Cole is blocking him, and he's wanting, I'm trying to push him to go this way, but he's relying on re- religion stopping him. And I'm saying, go, 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 do those things, do those things, do those things. But religion is stopping him. And that only works for a short time because I'm going to be like, hey, let's go. There's a loophole. Hey, you know what? There's another loophole over here. Let's go around him. But there comes a moment in his life when he says, Holy Spirit, take control of me. Come here, Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad I picked you for the Holy Spirit? You heard me laugh. <laughs> the Holy Spirit comes in his life. He casts out sin. I'm out. And there's no need for standards anymore. Do you understand? There's no need. He doesn't need this guy anymore because sin is not pulling him to go here or there. Standards was a wall trying to keep him from, keep sin in check, keep sin in check. But when spirit comes in, sin goes away. There's no more need for standards anymore, okay? Thank you, guys. You can sit down. Does that make sense? Give these guys a hand. Very good. We often use religious standards to keep sin in check. But what Paul is saying, well, you began in the Spirit. Now it's only the Spirit that can keep sin in check 
And now that the sin is in check, there's no longer a need for standards. You say, well, I need some standards in my life. They're not bad. But let me tell you, the real issue is you haven't let the Spirit work on the sin. Does that make sense today? Well, Pastor Heath, I need some rules in my life. Yeah, we probably do. But let me tell you, you won't need any rules if the Spirit can make you as holy as Jesus Christ is holy. If He changes your mind to you think just like Jesus, you walk just like Jesus, you feel things just like Jesus, you say, well, yeah, Jesus, He fulfilled the law by walking in the Spirit. Think about it. So if there's ever an issue in my life of victory, I don't need more rules to keep sin in check. I need Holy Spirit, come all over here and get in my life. Get in the center of my heart. Find that sin in my heart. Take it out. Replace me. you got a new heart, new spirit. Holy Spirit, make my heart like Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, make my mind like Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm so sorry of this sin. I'm tired of it. I'm casting it out of my life. I want to be crucified with Christ. Spirit of God, live inside of me. I don't need to follow these rules to keep Him inside of my life. I want the Holy Spirit. Amen? A powerless gospel tries to make you follow standards because they want some rules in your life. A Spirit-centered, Christ-centered, by faith gospel says, Spirit is controlling you. Holy Spirit is moving your mind. Holy Spirit is making your, Latin, your blessings come out of your heart instead of cursings. Love comes out of your heart instead of hate. Bitterness is gone away with because love has just conquered all. Because the Spirit is really working on you. Amen? That is the gospel. Please hear me. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was the promise. But it doesn't end there. It comes with a new life. It turns into a victorious life. And then it moves into a supernatural life. I'm going quick today. Because I want us to have time to pray. It moves into a supernatural life. He says in Galatians 3, 5, He says, Did not the Holy Spirit show up in your life when you heard by faith? And He didn't just show up. He showed up with working of miracles and power. Didn't He show up and manifest Himself? No doubt when the Holy Spirit was evident in the Galatian church, He showed up with tongues, He showed up with prophecy, He showed up with vision, He showed up with healings and miracles and all kinds of things, exorcisms. The Holy Spirit just didn't be like, Hey guys, I'm here, let's just chill for a little bit. They, he changed that church, flipped it upside down. And He says, There were some miracles been happening in your church. There's been some supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit in your life. How can you say the Holy Spirit isn't approving of you, that God doesn't love you? He says, Looking, look back. Has there not been some dynamic experiences of the Holy Spirit? There's no denying God is among you. The Christian life begins with a new life, and it grows to have victory over sin and standards. But then so many people quit right there. Very few people make it to that victory part, myself included. And we try to have victory in our life. But then he says, there's not just, it's not just these things, but there's a supernatural walking in the Holy Spirit. There's the new life, victorious life. There should be a supernatural life that God is moving. But you know what we do? We limit it. We say, God, I don't know. I'm not one to speak in tongues. I'm not one to prophesy. God, I've never, I don't know if that's for me. That might be for some other Christians, but I don't know if that's for me or not. I don't know that I'm at that place. The natural progression of the Spirit is that He would control you, move in your life to glorify Jesus Christ. And my question is, what wouldn't you want to do that glorify Jesus? What limit would I place in the Holy Spirit? Oh, Holy Spirit, I'll, I'll, I'll go here, but I'm not going to Africa. All right? We put limits. Holy Spirit, yeah, I'll, 
I'll, I'll talk to my neighbor, but when you mean go across the aisle at Walmart to that stranger and give him a word from God, ah, you know, maybe you need to pick a bolder person, you know, someone who knows the Bible better than me or somebody who, you know, Pastor Heath, he's in Walmart right now. And he, you know, like we need some, you know, Holy Spirit, I, you know, I'm good. I'm saved. I'm, I'm not being a bad person. But are you walking in the supernatural? Because this promise was for all God's people to be filled with the fullness of God, to have everything heaven had to offer to give to you, to be just like Jesus Christ. And if I read the Gospels correctly, I think Jesus Christ did a few miracles, if I'm not mistaken. I think he spoke a few divine, spirit-powered words that changed people's lives. And he's saying, that same spirit I'm putting in you. In Acts chapter 19, I'm just going to paraphrase here. In Acts chapter 19, we find that Paul is walking through uh, to Ephesus. Uh, And so he finds these guys, and he's passing through to Ephesus, and he finds these disciples, disciples of John the Baptist, and he says to them, he says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, Well, no, we haven't heard there was a Holy Spirit. And he says, Well, then, into what were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. What happened? Here's some guys that said, yeah, yeah, we're followers, we, we're disciples. Uh, and he says, okay then, did you have the Holy, does the Holy Spirit show up in your life? And they said, well, we don't even know what the Holy Spirit is, what are you talking about? He's like, well, how are you a Christian? How, what, what do you mean you were baptized? What were you baptized into? And they said, well, John's baptism. Well, John ended the Old Testament era of repentance under the law, under religious standards. And they said, well, we've been following John, we're sorry for our sins, we're trying to follow the law as best as we can, but he says... But when Christ died and rose again before he ascended, he sent us the Holy Spirit that we can now live as mighty men of God, full of the Holy Spirit, cleansed of our sins with a new nature. That's the promise of God is now here today. And they're like, oh, sure, yeah. So what does Paul do? He takes them aside. He baptizes them again under the authority of Jesus Christ into his baptism, not John's baptism, but into his baptism into the baptism of faith under Jesus. And I believe at that moment, they're saved, because that's when we're saved, when we profess faith in Him. It says, what we just established in Galatians, when you profess faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit truly comes into your life. They get baptized, they come back up, they're saved. And then Paul says, now, if you want to do some ministry, you say you're, ba- you're, you're disciples, if you want to do some ministry, I'm praying for you. And as he prays for them, he lays his hands on them, they begin to speak in tongues and prophesy. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is manifest in their lives so that they could go continue to do the ministry they were already doing. I believe that every Christian in the church today, every born-again believer in the church today is called into some sort of ministry, something God wants you to do by the power of the Holy Spirit in in you. And you can't do it on your own. You can't do it without His help. And if we look at the early church, as we will tonight in our evening service, it was only accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't men figuring out a best strategy to reach the world for Jesus. It was by the power of the Holy Spirit showing up in men and women's life that they changed the whole world in just a few decades. We need that same supernatural Holy, Holy Spirit power today in the church. It's not going to happen. It's, we're not going to change the nation. We're not going to change the world without the power of the Holy Spirit. And until we're ready to stop denying Him, His full manifestation in our churches and in our prayer closets and in our home life, saying, God, we're not, we don't just want Him to show up here in an altar and some people speak in tongues and go home or have some prophecy or some healings. We want to go out into the world and shake the nations with the power of God like it says that they did in the days of old. Are you with me today? 
I want to say to God in my heart, Holy Spirit, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And we, you know, there are differences in denominations. And I'm, I'm going to just put all that aside today because the, the issue is not when do you receive the Holy Spirit and what are tongues and not are tongues. That is all complications of man. The simple truth for you and I today is say, Holy Spirit, I want anything you have for me and I'll do anything you want me to do. You guarantee everything he wants you to do, it's going to happen. If he wants you to speak in tongues, you'll speak in tongues. If he wants you to prophesy, you'll prophesy. If he says, go heal this person over here and pray for them, raise up the dead. Hey, it's going to happen because you just say, God, I don't care about all the do's and the don'ts. I don't care about all the denominational differences. I just say, God, I want everything you have for me. No limits in my life, God. I want to be used like these men and women were used in the day. It doesn't matter. I don't have to figure it all out. It's the wind. I just sense it. I feel it. I know it's there. I know there's more that God has for me. And that's all about glorifying Him. I don't want to be caught up in petty disputes of doctrine and religiosity and the things of man. I want to say, Holy Spirit, I want a new life. I want a victorious life. And I want to walk in the supernatural. Amen? Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Without a doubt, the Holy Spirit leads us into lives that glorify Christ. And it's only possible... Because the supernatural power of God is manifested in our lives. In those days, churches often experienced tongues and prophecy and visions and healings and miracles for the glory of God. Is there anything in your life that is off limits in your relationship with God? You know, when my, um, my wife and I were married, I uh, hated roller coasters. I hate that feeling of losing your stomach, you know. I don't mind it on little hills, but, you know, when you date a beautiful girl and she says we're going to the theme park, you better man up, guys, you know. So don't conquer your fears for your woman kind of a thing. So in my relationship with my wife, I have often done things I did not want to do. Just one example is roller coasters, okay. And now today I love them, okay. Same way for me. I never wanted to preach, never had a desire to preach, never ever felt comfortable talking in public or going anywhere to preach the gospel, much less at a local church on a regular basis or overseas or walking across the street to talk to somebody. Pains me and fear and insecurity and do I have the right words and what if I do something wrong? But the more you are in relationship with a person and the more you love them, the more you'll come to love the things they love. The more you spend time with that person, the more you become like them and their nature rubs off on you and you begin to do those things together. And that's the key. You don't do it. He does it through you. God wants to empower you victoriously and supernaturally today. Amen. Worship team, would you come every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's respond today to the word of God. Have you had... The Holy Spirit. Has the Holy Spirit shown up in your life?